Hello adventurer, and welcome to the Skyrim Book Club, the on-the-go solution for the busy adventure in Tamriel's coldest, far-reaching province. Let us collect the literature and lore of this great province for you and put it into a portable package so that you never have to stop fighting dragons, picking flowers, or stealing from shopkeepers when they aren't looking. With an ever-increasing archive, SkyrimBookClub.ca has got the story for you. Until next time, enjoy the book. The Hope of the Rhetoran by Turiel Neareth, a tale of a child blessed by a prophecy and the interpretation thereof. One of the few magical arts the Sigics of Arteum have kept to themselves, away from the common spells and schools of the Mages' Guild, is the gift of divination. Despite this, or perhaps because of it, omens and prophecies abound in Tamriel, some of substance, others of pure folly, and still others so ambitious as to be unverifiable. There are still other prophecies kept secret, from the prophecies of Drogezad in Elsewhere and the Nerevarian in Morrowind, to the Elder Scrolls themselves. The Nord nobility have a tradition of having omens read for their children. In general, these readings are of the obscure variety. One of my acquaintances told me that her parents were told, for example, that their daughter would have her life rescued by a snake, and so gave her the name Serpentkin in a special ceremony. And this young lady, Aria Valker Serpentkin, was indeed saved by a snake many years later when an assassin creeping up on her stepped on a dawn's worm viper. Occasionally, omens seem to be almost purposefully misleading, as if Boethia has crafted them as traps. I recall one particularly. Many, many years ago, a male child was born into the house Rhetoran. It was a very difficult birth, and the mother was delirious and near death by the time it was over. She chanted, just as her son came into the world, and she passed from it. Fortune has smiled this day, not frowned. My child will be mighty in mind and in arm. He shall bring hope to House Redoran. Neither spell nor blade shall hurt this man. Nor illness nor poison cause any harm. His blood shall never drop on to the ground. The boy, named Andis, was indeed extraordinary. He was never ill and never suffered so much as a scratch all through his childhood. He was also quite intelligent and strong, which, combined with his invulnerability, caused many to call him, after his mother's omen, the Hope of the Redoran. Of course, anyone who was called the Hope of the Rhetoran will eventually develop some taint of impertinence, and it wasn't long before he had enemies. His worst enemy was his cousin, Aethon, who had borne much abuse at the hands of Andis. Primary among the grudges was that Aethon had been sent to Rehad to complete his education at Andis's insistence. When Aethon returned from Hammerfell, it was because of the death of his father, who had been a counselor of the house. Aethon was old enough to take his seat in the council, but Andis claimed the seat as well, saying that his cousin had been gone too long from Morrowind and didn't understand politics as he did. The majority of the house agreed with Andis, wanting to see the hope of Redoran rise quickly. Aethon exercised his right to combat his cousin for the seat. No one thought he had any chance of winning, of course, but the battle was scheduled to commence the following morn. Andis whored and dined and drank with the councillors that night, confident that his place in the house was secure and the hopeful new dawn of House Redoran was rising. Aethon retired to his castle with his friends, Andis's enemies, and his servants he had brought with him from Hammerfell. Aethon and his friends were discussing the duel morosely when one of his old teachers, a warrior called Shardy, came into the hall. She had grown quite proud of her student over the years in Hammerfell, proud enough to accompany him across the empire to his family's lands, and wanted to know why they had so little confidence in his odds in the battle. They explained to her Andis's uncommon blessings and the nature of his mother's omen. If he can't be harmed by poison, disease, magicka, and his blood can never be spilled, what hope have I of ever besting him? cried Aethon. 
"'Have you remembered nothing I taught you?' replied Shardy. "'Is there no weapon you can think of that will slay without blood? "'Are swords and spears and arrows the only items in your arsenal?' Ethan quickly realized the weapons Shardy was speaking of, but it seemed absurd. Not only absurd, but pathetic and primitive. Still, it was the only hope he had. All that night, Shardy trained him in the art and techniques, showing him the various swings and stances her people had developed in Albion Gora, counterattacks, feints, and blocks imported from Yakuta, the classic one, and two-handed grips for the most ancient weapon in history. The cousins faced one another the next morning, and never have two combatants look so unevenly matched. Andis's entrance brought a great cheer, for not only was he much beloved as the hope of Redoran, but as his victory was a foregone conclusion, most wanted to be in good standing with him. His shining mail and blade drew admiration and awe. By contrast, Ethan drew a gasp of surprise and only a smattering of polite applause. He appeared costumed and armed like a barbarian. As Shardy had suggested, Ethan allowed Andis to attack first. The hope of the Redoran was eager to finish the battle and to take the power he deserved quickly. The blade pushed by Andis's mighty arm slashed across Ethan's chest, but shallowly, and before it could counterswing, Ethan knocked it back with his own weapon. When Ethan attacked and wounded Andis, the hope of the Redoran was so surprised by being hurt for the first time in his life, he dropped his sword. The less said about the end of the battle, the better. Suffice it to say that Ethan, wielding a simple club, battered Andis to death without spilling a drop of blood. Ethan took his father's seat as counselor, and it was then said that the hope in the omen referred to Ethan, not Andis. After all, had Andis not tried to take the counselor's seat away from his cousin Ethan, being not very ambitious, who might have never tried to get it? It can certainly be argued that way, I suppose.